scripture reading today comes from the 95th Psalm. If you were Catholic or Orthodox or Episcopalian, or if you used morning prayer in the Lutheran or Presbyterian or Methodist um, resources that are out there, Psalm 95 is the prayer that, if not used every morning, is used most mornings. And so uh, a lot of times it is sung, a lot of times it is chanted, a lot of times it is just spoken, but it is the morning prayer that follows, Lord, open my lips and my mouth will declare your praise. And so today we are looking at a psalm of praise as we go into an examination of the different genres of songs. Now, I could sing this to you because I used it as a part of my morning prayer. Come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us shout for joy to the rock of our salvation. Great way to learn scripture is to sing it in choir or to come up with some way that you can do it. Uh, but, but most of this psalm is easily set to music and you could find a way to use it daily if you wanted. Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. Let us make a joyful noise to him with songs of praise for the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hands are the depths of the earth. The heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it. And the dry land which his hands have formed. O come, let us worship and bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our maker. For he is our God, and we are the people of his pasture and the sheep of his hand. Oh, that today you would listen to his voice. Now, in the Anglican church, that's where the psalm ends, at morning prayer. Uh, in the Orthodox and Catholic traditions, it goes on to the darker places that the psalm leads us to. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah on the day at Massa in the wilderness... When your ancestor tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work, for 40 years I loathed that generation and said, they are a people whose heart go, hearts go astray and they do not regard my ways. Therefore, in my anger, I swore they shall not enter my rest. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Lord, use your servants' lips, your people's ears and hearts, that today, as they are joined together, that a seed would be planted of your word that would be brought forth with the joy of resurrection. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The number of genres of a particular book are often hard to identify, and psalms is no different. I'm going to take seven types of songs, psalms, which were the songs of ancient Israel, and look at them. Today, uh, we are looking at songs of the heart, and we are looking at this variety of psalms 
called the Songs of Praise. Now, uh, this is a graphic representation of the book of Psalms, 150 chapters. And so you see how many, each of those dots represents a chapter, you see how many of them uh, are classified as songs of praise, which we're going to look at that one representative sample of that today. And then the largest variety are actually songs of lament. We live in a world where things don't go our way. We live in a world full of injustice and unfairness. We live in a world that didn't unfold probably like we hoped that it would in a number of ways. And these psalms of lament help us to give voice to that within us that cries out to God saying, why? There are royal psalms. The royal psalms are psalms uh, about the king and the country and how God would like for nations to be places of justice and those people who are in charge of nations uh, to be righteous and just rulers. They're the wisdom psalms. The wisdom psalms are those psalms that say you live well and you can expect your life to be a little better off than if you live poorly. Here is the way God calls us to live. Do so and you will be nourished by God. There are the psalms of thanksgiving. There are hymns, hymns that were probably sung in many ways, just like the hymns that we sing. And then there are psalms of trust. And so these are the seven different categories of psalms that we will be looking at, beginning today with an examination of psalms of praise. Now, I want to offer you a couple of definitions of praise, and I want to zero in on two facets. Praising God, and this is the Lexham Theological Word Book, which offers a concise, well-written examination of praise. Praising God is the activity of God's creatures. You and I are God's creatures. The deer in the forest, God's creatures. When the Lord says, if, if these people were to be silent, the rocks themselves would break out. Praise is the activity of God's creatures in honoring God because of two things. Pay attention to these two things. Because of the acts of God, those things that God has done, and because of the nature of God, who God is. Uh, another Bible dictionary, Erdman's Bible dictionary, and notice again how these two pieces come together. Praise is to honor and ascribe worth to God. Praise is regarded by the Bible as the response that is appropriate, that is due to God from all of creation. Why? Because of his majesty, who he is, and because of his saving actions, what he has done. Praise is the dominant characteristic of true piety. And so when it comes down to it, if you and I are going to praise God, and if we are to understand what it means to praise God, we've got to keep in mind two different aspects of this, and that is, number one, who God is, and number two, what God does. Who God is and what God does, that is the fertile soil from which our praise springs forth. That is where this notion of praise comes from. In the Christian church, we say this about God. 
God is all-knowing. He knows what's going through the mind of a woman who is awake in the slums of India right now. He knows what's happening on the International Space Station. He knows my motivations even when I don't. He knows what happened in 1512 that caused somebody to meet somebody else. Without that meeting, I wouldn't be me. He knows what's going on in the thoughts of our hearts before we are ever able to express them. And he also knows what tomorrow holds because he holds tomorrow in his hands. God is all-knowing. God is all-powerful. There is no one who compares to God. There is nothing in all of creation that is like the totally unique, powerful, majestic person of the Godhead. And finally, we maintain that God is perfect in holiness, in goodness, in love. God is perfect in every way that perfection is possible. That's who God is. Now, keep in mind that I said that praise arises, number one, from who God is. And this is who God is, the all-knowing, the all-powerful, the one who is perfect in holiness, goodness, and love. The second part of that is what God does. Now, if I, were to, if I were to just take the top two actions of God in the Bible, they would be these. Number one, the exodus. The Old Testament gets ready for the exodus, puts the people in Egypt, enslaves the people in Egypt, and then the rest of it is what happens when God takes the people out of Egypt and enters into covenant with God. God's action He sets free a people, and he covenants to be their God. And the rest of the Old Testament talks about God's faithfulness and the people's unfaithfulness and God's love even when the people were unloving. It is this relationship, this covenant between God and his people. The New Testament, God has acted in Jesus Christ. God has come into the world. He has become one of us. He has entered the world and he has lived and he, was, he, he, he died and was buried and, and rose again. The Father sends the Son into the world to save the world. The New Testament is about God's saving activity for all the world. And when Jesus ascends, the Holy Spirit comes and animates the church at Pentecost. Who God is... And what God has done, these are the foundations of praise. And so, as we go back to Psalm 95, Oh, come, let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise to the rock of our salvation. Let us come into his presence with thanksgiving. And let us make a joyful noise with songs of praise. He is the rock of our salvation. That is the nature of God. Most rocks in Israel look something like this. They're not smooth. If you'll notice, one of the things that's very difficult uh, in the desert of the Near East is to find shelter and to find shade. 
If you'll notice, this rock has a bit of shade on the right side of it. There are also uh, small caves and coverings that you can shelter yourself in during a time of storminess or a time when you need coolness from the heat of the day. God is our rock, the rock of our salvation. And so we might ask who God is and what God has done. Well, here's an answer. God is the rock, the unchanging foundation on which we may build our lives and God saves us. Now, when the writer of the song says, we're going to sing... Listen to what he says. Let us sing to the Lord. Let us make a joyful noise. Let us come into his presence. When God is our rock, we sing and run and fly to God. For the Lord is a great God and a great king above all gods. In his hand are the depths of the earth, and the heights of the mountains are his also. The sea is his, for he made it, and the dry land which his hands have formed. Who is God? God is God. There is no one like him. He is the Lord without rival. God holds the mountaintops in his hand, And the earth's caverns and the caves beneath the ground, there is no place and nothing where God is not and where God does not act. The heights, the depths, and everything in between are governed by the all-knowing, all-powerful, perfectly good Lord of creation. To him belongs the land and the sea. The land, this place at least that we find to be semi-predictable, the sea is often a symbol of chaos in the Bible. So the the land and the sea, the, the order and the chaos, to him, to God, belongs it all because he has made it. And so the call comes. Let us worship, and let us bow down. Let us kneel before the Lord our Maker, for He is our God, and we are the people of His pasture, the sheep of His hand. Oh, that today you would listen to His voice. What God does is this. God makes not only the mountains and the caverns, the caves. He is the Lord, our maker. In all of creation, we are a part of what God has made. He has made the sun, the moon, the stars, the Milky Way, the countless galaxies that we haven't even glimpsed yet. But he's fashioned you and me. He is the Lord, our maker, who has invited us to enter into a special relationship with him. He is our God. And we are the people of his pasture, the sheep of his hands. Jesus picks up on this. 
in John chapter 10. He says, I am the good shepherd. I know my own and they know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father and I lay down my life for the sheep. I have other sheep that do not belong to this fold. I must bring them also and they will listen to my voice. So there will be one flock, one shepherd. This image of God as the shepherd of his people, this image of the Lord taking on tenderly the sheep that are his, that know his name, that he calls by name, that's you and that's me. He knows us. He knows our fears, our hopes, our joys. He knows what's going to happen to us in three and a half years that we never would have imagined. And he is preparing us to be loved and to love him in return. But the psalm turns a bit dark with a word of caution. A word of caution that, like I say, some of the... Some of the uh, the morning uses of this and in morning prayers don't even go to these verses. They stop at the end of verse 7. But we're not. We'll take the psalm as a whole. Do not harden your hearts as at Meribah, as on the day at Massa in the wilderness, when your ancestors tested me and put me to the proof, though they had seen my work for 40 years. I loathed that generation and said, They are a people whose hearts go astray, and they do not regard my ways. Therefore, in my anger I swore, They shall not enter my rest. It is possible, dear friends, for God's people to harden their hearts and miss these two foundations of praise miss who God is and miss what God has done. It's possible to live the majority of a lifetime and never conceive of the character of God or the activity of God. It is possible to miss this grand story that evokes our praise. Your ancestors tested me. Though they had seen my work, they do not regard my ways. They shall not enter my rest. This gets quoted in the book of Hebrews, by the way. Hebrews chapter 4. The writer of Hebrews talks about this rest that God invites his people into. He quotes this ending of the psalm. They shall not enter my rest. And the writer of Hebrews says, the rest is not Joshua bringing the people into the land. If Joshua had given them rest, God would not speak later about another day. And so a Sabbath rest still remains for the people of God. For those who enter God's rest also cease from their labors, as God did from his. Let us, therefore, 
it's still open this possibility of praise. It's still open this possibility that we may recognize who God is and what God has done. Let us, therefore, make every effort to enter that rest so that no one may fall through such disobedience as theirs. Dear friends, it is about who God is. It is about what God has done. And if we remember these two foundational pieces to praise, then our hearts may be filled with gratitude Our songs might be lifted in joy. We might speak that language of praise. Glory be to the Father and to the Son and to the Holy Spirit. As it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Praise the Lord. In the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Our Wednesday nights will be starting back up. Not this Wednesday. We're having the church party this Wednesday. Celebrating 20 years here, 10 years down there. But a week from Wednesday, our Wednesday evening activities resume. And so we have a video reminding you that here together we learn who God is